because it was my life I was going to lose. It was me who was paying the consequences. Like all my friends have died. They're all gone. There ain't none of them left. They all overdosed and died. I was homeless. I didn't have any money. Doors were all closed. Locks were all changed. I'm not there to hold their hand. I'm there to hold out my hand. If I want to be successful, I need to be around successful people. It will get better as long as I continue to put in the work and do whatever I can to help the next person. It gets better, Doc. It gets better. It gets Doc. better right there, baby. And all right, I'm with the uh, Robs again. And I'm so glad up, that guys? you guys are here, man. This show is going to be great. This podcast is going to be uh, exceptional. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that. It's just sort of laying that foundation. This is a Dimeo story, Rob Dimeo. And Jeez. the eye candy is going to be uh, Rob Lutman. And he's going to ask some questions too. Right I'll, I'll fill okay. it out. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> Woo. The 76ers are doing decent, right? The 76ers are doing decent. Yeah. So I hear. So you hear. What, aren't you watching it? Oh, I watch. I was going to say, you got, the, you got the brim and you got everything going on. Here. Yeah. It's like, uh, big fan, the Eagles big fan. didn't do well. Hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, yeah it gets better, way. right? It gets yeah. better. It does. It does. All right. Rob, <laughs> let's, let's we start. tell him that. That's right. Yeah. It, <laughs> I see what you did there, bud. Hey. Yeah, you, you made a roll, baby. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. When it comes to sports, so so I was a uh, Rams fan growing up in California forever, right? So they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything when I was a boy. And then they moved to St. Louis and then they, you know, they take the Super Bowl, you know, whatever whatever that uh team was. I was ticked off pissed off quite frankly that that they went to the super bowl when they went to st louis the rams yeah. now they're back at la i don't know what they're doing now shit happens <laughs> shit happens that's true all right demio it's your show What's i'm up, gonna man? i'm gonna go, up, i'm gonna be firing up a couple of questions for you lubman's gonna be firing up a question and you're gonna have to just sit there and take it like a man all right on the chin bud right on the right chin. there but boom all right so we're gonna talk a little bit about it because this is it gets better of course, we're going to we're talking about addicts. We're talking about true recovery and all of the good stuff that's associated with there's hope. There's hope. And you're an example of hope. And I, I have to be honest with the listeners out there. Uh, your journey is uh, both frightening from my perspective uh, and uh, inspiring all in one and emotional to boot. Right. <laughs> it, it just is. So let's start out with a little bit of you're in a recovering a uh, addict, right? I'm a recovering drug addict. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Alcoholic too. How old are you? Right now I'm 33. <laughs> it's just a pop. <laughs> Freaking A. 33. Yeah, I lived enough lifetimes though, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Still a freaking <laughs> pop, man. And so let's start from the beginning. You know, you, yeah. you're born, you got the, your pop, you're great. You live in, where did you live? Listen, grow up in? I, I wasn't born with a crack pipe and a needle in my neck. Hell you know no. what I mean? <laughs> This, this, this was a disease of progression. So I grew up and I, um, I grew up in Somerville, Massachusetts. It's like right in Boston, right outside of Boston. And um, I came from a single family household, right? I had a, um, a single mother who suffered with some mental illness, um, severely bipolar. But she was single because she got away from my father, who was an abusive alcoholic, who used to beat the bag out of me when I was a kid, and my mother. So she did the best she could to provide us, you know, provide me and her with food, shelter, and um, 
you know, the best life she could possibly give us. Um, you know, which, which brought us to Somerville when she separated from my father. And um, we were in like a three family house, a triple decker. Right. And um, I guess my story starts off with trauma, right. Escaping the abusive father, the, the yeah. mentally ill mother. And then it leads us to this, you know, three family house. Um, you know, we were there and I had a neighbor that, um, used to like to touch me in my pants when I was a kid, right? He'd molest me and he'd tell me, don't tell your mother, you're not going to have nowhere to live. So I had to carry that burden and run around with it, keep my mouth shut, thinking I was the man of the family. That was that. I can't let nothing happen. Can't let nothing bad happen to my mother. So, you know, it kind of went on for a little bit. That happens often with a lot of addicts. It does. It does. does. You know what I mean? Shame and guilt eats us apart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We take on other people's burdens, things like that. Yeah. So I took that and like, that was my life. I was dipping and bobbing the guy trying to touch me in my pants. I was, wasn't trying to have a relationship with my father. I was like five, six, seven, eight years old, Damn. you know, but from that, you know, that young, right? Like I never felt like I belonged, right? Even in, even in school, like I didn't feel like I connected with the other kids. So I was always gravitating towards an older crowd. As the years went on, that older crowd was doing things a kid my age should never have been doing, right? They were smoking pot, they were drinking, you know, angel dust was big out here. That was what they were doing. Cocaine, ecstasy. And like, I, I it took me outside myself, right? How, how, have, how, like, how, how old were you when that was happening? 12, 13, 14. You know what I mean? It, it just kind of went on. And it was, yeah, it was. And it was a recreational use because there was not Oxycontin. We were just at the end of the Oxycontin era. There was a few of those sprinkled then, right, Luckman? Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, so like it, it was one of these things where it was like, when I gravitated towards that older crowd and I took those substances, it took me outside of myself. And when I took that first one, that first one took me. And I didn't realize that till years later. And um, as, as, this, as this progressed, right, it was always, you know, as a kid, it was like, all right, we're going to sniff a few oxy 80s. You know what I mean? We're going to get jamboozled. But the following weekend, I'm going to be out at the basketball court playing basketball. Or I'm going to be down the football field playing football. And then the following week after that, it's like, let's pause some ecstasy, roll our faces off. You know what I mean? And then a couple of days later, it's let's go play lacrosse. You know what I mean? Like, because we were still able to do that stuff at a young age and right, early right, right, abuse. Right. right. I mean, so it, it, it goes on. It does. Well, I, I and have to so, interrupt here real quick. I have to interrupt. Up, Where was your mom in all this? Doing the best she could. She was working single mother. Saying, you know what I mean? She, she had a job. She had food that needed to go on the table. She had. You know, there wasn't much structure. There wasn't much, you know, authority in my life. There was my mom trying to make it the best she can and keep her own mental health. She was gone on vacations into mental health wards from time yeah. to time. You know what I mean? She was trying to do the best she could to take care of herself and me. You know, Sibling, the, siblings. Do you have siblings? None. None. So you're Just an only me. child. Gotcha. Only child. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I ran, I ran around like a savage as a kid and you know, it was funny because, you know, gravitating towards an older crowd, when I got to the age of 16, 17, I met a woman who was a lot older than me, who was just getting divorced from her husband. And I ended up getting her pregnant and uh, had my first kid, you know, right when I turned 18 years old. So I was a baby having a baby, you know what I mean? Didn't know what this was. But this older woman told me, she was like, Rob, if you want to be a father to your kid, you got to cut this shit out. You got to stop doing these drugs or messing with these drugs and you kind of got to figure it out. So I did. Right. So I put the drugs down. I tried to be a father. I got her pregnant a second time. I bought a house. I worked a, a, a job where it was, you know, a normal job, nine to five. Um, see, like I didn't have a program in my life. I didn't have any recovery or any kind of roots to recovery at that point. So when I put down the drinks and the drugs, my self-centered 
egotistical, self-seeking behavior still, you know, prevailed in my life, and I pushed everybody away from me. So you were and just like, dry, Rob. No recovery, just it. dry at that time. That was it. No higher okay. power. No, right. no people in recovery. Same behaviors. Know. Yeah, yeah. Just not using. Core beliefs were fucked up. You know what right. I mean? And I just, right. ooh, it was bad. I was worse being around at that period in life than I am now or when I was using. And um, you know, at some point we ended up separating and we went our own separate ways. And then, you know, in 2010, I was on my way to my mother's house to have dinner, right? And um, I was with this girl I was seeing at the time and you know, there's some controversy whether or not the car hit me or not, but I did swerve away from another drunk driver on the road. My car flipped over and it went three car lanes across the highway, hit the guardrail, and my hand was out the window smoking a cigarette. And hey. that car accident, right? It was it was bad. You know what I mean? That car accident, that car accident took my left hand, but the prescription pills the doctor was writing me, those prescription pills took my fucking life. Right. It started off. Here's a script of oxy. Here's a script of Valium. It turned into 12 reconstructive surgeries. They wanted to amputate the thing. But, you know, I was like, no, no, no. I'm, you know, I'm young. I don't want to have a stump. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So they, they did all kinds of crazy stuff. My hand was attached to my hip, regrew the arteries. It was it was wild whoa, whoa, and whoa, innovative. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just zipped across something about retaching. What, what, what was it? What? So I, I went to went to groin flap operation, which means they opened up my groin and attached my hand into my my own groin. So the arteries in my hand could regrow themselves because I had no in and out arteries. Yeah, that's why my hand was dying. So they repaired the arteries and they cut my hand off of my hip. That's why I'm stuck with my love handle on the top of my left hand, amazing. which not many people notice. Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. amazing. I got the amazing. And I got the grip, so um, I'm kind of good to go. Kung Fu grip. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah. But you know what? Those prescription pills that the doctor was writing me throughout that time did its job. It took my pain away. It made me feel comfortable as I underwent these surgeries. But what nobody told me it was going to yeah. do was make my body physically, chemically dependent upon them. Right? I, I, I'll never forget it. I was in a tattoo parlor with this girl that I was seeing. And um, I'm getting a tattoo done on my chest. And obviously, tattooing isn't really an issue for me. But I couldn't sit through the outline of the tattoo. And the girl that I was with asked me, she said, Rob, did you take your oxy today? I said, why? She said, you can't sit through it. You're dope sick. I didn't know what that word had huh. meant. Right? Until let me, I let me like, ask you right. this before we, you progress. Now, were you clean until you got that accident? Were you, I mean, when you because I mean, of Lemon saying, Lemon's saying, yeah, yeah, you went dry. And. And, and pretty much, yeah. I wasn't uh, using any illicit drugs. I'd have a beer here and there, but it wasn't yeah. anything that was, you know, didn't make my life unmanageable, you know. But bam, um, uh, you get in an accident, oxy, whatever the the painkilling, and that's that, that that's what did you? There was no longer that recreational use yeah. like when I was a kid. This was, you know, uh, an ongoing. I needed the pills because of the surgery, woke up, found out what dope sickness was. I went and I took those pills. I went back to the tattoo parlor and had that tattoo finished with ease. You know what I mean? At this you know, point, did, that, you, did you know what recovery was yet? At I had this no point? idea. Okay. So no you're still oblivious of what's going on. No clue. Just you know, know like it's shit. It just doesn't feel right where I got to take this to feel better and everything I, emotional. Dude, and I didn't okay. know what a detox was. I didn't know what right. a PHP was. I had no idea what a fucking IOP was. You know what right. I mean? 
All I knew is, is that I needed those pills to make my day go the way old, I wanted it to how go. How old were you? How old were you? I can't even remember. It was 2000 and son, I'm 32 yeah. now. I'm not good at math. Yeah, don't you worry know about what it. I mean? Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, something like that. Landing yeah. in between like 25, 24, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Listen, so I, that was my life, right? Getting the prescriptions from the doctors. Then you know what? I'll give it to the doctor, though. He was really, really, really good at writing those prescriptions. Like, really good. But at some point, he was really, 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 really bad at getting me off the medication. Mm. Right? Went on to him. Mm. He said, hey, bud, it's a wrap. Told me I was done. And um, I filled my last prescription of oxys. Pretty much sniffed them all that night. From that point forward, it was IV heroin into my to my arms. There was no sniffing heroin. There was no nothing. All I know is I don't like the way I feel. I feel very, very ill and very, very sick. I need to do anything and everything no. I can to not feel this way. That's when I knew that my disease went from a chemical dependency to a full-blown addiction. And that's and how that now, and that's how that progression works. You're taking the pills and all of a sudden you're cut off the pills or you know the oxycontins they stop making them or you're you're done with your prescription. You're not ready to be off these pills yet. The doctor didn't set you up properly and guess what? I need to feel right. I'm going to do the next best thing, which is IV heroin. Or, or some met, you know, something like that, so I can still feel that same feeling and without that pain, right? I mean, pull it we back all, just we, a lot of us going through that. We pull it back just a little bit more, right? You That's know, it. I'm being, I'm given a prescription to take, you know, at a certain time. Now I'm breaking the pills up. Now I'm sniffing them so they hit me faster. So like that progression has already started, but I don't see anything wrong with it, right? And it led me straight to a loaded needle in my in my arm and behind a. Burger King parking lot in Malden, Massachusetts, right? And then like that, from that point forward, it was it was on. It was on. The euphoria, it, it was on. It took me outside myself. I take that first shot. That first shot would take me, and the ride began, man. You know what I mean? It did. And like my disease of addiction took me to some of the darkest edges of the city of Boston, right? Doing some wild shit I never thought I'd ever do in my life. Brought me around some characters. You know, and um, it always ended the same way, man. Overdoses and handcuffs, you know, and um, this went on for a lot of years and I burnt a lot of bridges and I put my mother through some fucking horrid shit. And, um, you know, I, it, it was for other people that had come before me. I had wow. reached out to a buddy of ours in the industry and I told him I needed help. And he got me my first detox bed in a state funded facility. Right. Worst detox you could ever go to. Uh, and I'm so hold, grateful. Hold Don't go. Don't just gloss over that. Why? Why was that? Why? Why was that a, the worst detox? It was uh, it, it was one of the roughest detoxes you could be out here in Mass. It was um, there's a there's a whole thing behind it, but it was, just wasn't the best place to be. Um, it was dirty, it, yeah. it was gross. You know what I mean? There was rats. It wasn't you know the proper medical care. But like I was so grateful for this dude because like this kid Matt, he had gone through it. I felt comfortable enough, great you know, speaking up saying I needed help. And I got that, you know, open arm and big hug and got, got me right into that treatment center, right? Unfortunately, it wasn't just like many of us. It's, it wasn't my last time. This went on for a few years, too, of in and out of programs. I've visited all these state-funded programs here in Massachusetts, you know, whether it be for a day, whether it be for two days, whether it be for three days, could never complete it. Um, somewhere, you know, things but That was your progressed. first experience in some yeah. sort of recovery, though. And he, That's and when he you were introduced, like, hey... That was it. There is something. There is something. There's help out there. And how I got to the fact that I needed a detox was another recovering addict in my life actually going to detox herself 
and kind of explaining to me what it is she needed to do to get right. And, um, you know, so now I started gathering some information. I started picking up some tools and it was the people that were inside these treatment centers each time that I went in there that I picked up a little mustard seed and was able to take it back with me. And I'm a firm believer, my process is my process. And it took me 14 admissions into that detox, 20 admissions into another detox, meeting all these people because somewhere along the lines of destroying my life and setting it on fire and then pissing on it and then setting it on fire again. In 2015, I landed back at that same horrible detox and a light bulb went off. I was able to take all those little pieces of everything I had been learning and kind of see a bigger picture of what I needed to do. And my pain got, like, I didn't walk to my last detox, man. Like, I fucking crawled to my last detox. I was homeless. I didn't have any money. I didn't have no way to live. Doors were all closed. Locks were all changed. Family had changed numbers. It was a wrap. My mother had moved out of Massachusetts and went all the way to Bradenton, Florida, to get away from my active addiction in the midst of it. And I'm jumping over a lot of stuff just because of the time and trying to stay yeah, to the no, point. No, 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 This is important stuff. And if there's anybody out there that's, you know, actively getting high or got high, we all got high the same way. So I don't need to get into in depth about that. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that I was, my pain got so great enough. I was done. Yeah. I had hit my bottom. I bounced twice. There was, you know, I lived to use and used to live and it was coming to a fucking end. Right. And, um, you know, I crawled into this last detox. I had that, you know, light bulb go off. I painted this bigger picture. I had, obtained some information i had learned a few things and i kind of had a clear view of what i needed to do to keep the needle out of my neck and um i went with that i went i went in the street and i opted into you know a six-month residential program where i lived there with other med and relearned everything that my brain was taught from washing my ass to brushing my teeth to how to put a resume together to going out and getting a get well job i stocked shelves at walgreens overnight to put a few bucks in my pocket so I could buy some cigarettes and didn't have to sell my prescription pills on the side to afford the things that I had needed. I started to learn how to do the right thing, right? And I started to meet people who, like, I, I'm a firm believer. Like, I didn't, listen, like, I didn't know how to draw up heroin or how to find a vein, right? When I first started getting high, I met people who showed me how to find a vein and showed me how to mix heroin in a cooker or how to spin up a crack pipe. So I needed to find the people in recovery that were going to show me how to do this because it was my life I was going to lose. It was me who was paying the consequences. So I found those people and I held those people close because I learned early in this process. If I want to be successful, I need to be around successful people. And like I took that and I ran with it and I filled my life with successful you know, recovery-based people, right? People, places, and things. I stopped going to the same hood. I stopped seeing the same faces. And I stopped doing the same things that ended up with knocking in my nose and me behind the wall or in jail. Like, you know what I mean? This is what I did. You know what I mean? I, there, there was no other options. For but I, I don't understand. It, and, and no, I understand. Don't get me wrong. That, that, that came out wrong. That you, you, in this journey, this unfortunate journey, you came across people who... Gave you little nuggets, little little uh, mustard seed of nuggets and information in, in this journey. You're not the only one that gets that information. Why Why were you different outside of the fact that you hit rock bottom? I wasn't any different. I'm still no so, different. I'll get into that right now. There is no go. difference between me and another addict out on the street using. There's absolutely no difference at all. The same character defects that I had today, I had back then. 
The fact of the matter is, is my pain got great enough, right? That's it. I'm still one bad decision to being right back to where I was praying for everything that I have today. That's the truth. I am no different. Wow. No different at all. See, the thing is, is that like, it just was my time. Like, you know what I mean? You can lead a horse to water. You can't force them to drink. I chose to fucking drink. You got to put that work in, right? That was it. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, putting that work in. Yeah, I put that work in. I've learned now in my recovery that nothing comes easy unless we put work into it. And so that's what I did. I got my, I put my head down. I kept my eyes on my own paper and I started doing the work like Lutman's talking about. Right. And I did this while I was in treatment. Then I came out of treatment. My recovery process has been beautiful because I was asked to go back and work at that same detox. I had been detoxing it 14 times, you know, to kind of bring hope that if I can do it, you can do it. And that's the truth. Even still today, that if like I can stay clean, other people can stay clean. And I'm and people like me, people like like Lutman, we're here to help them. If they want to, if you want what we have, do what we do. Right. Simple, and that, right? That, that's it. It's not simplest, but it's not. It's not genius. You don't have to be a genius to yeah. get clean. No, it's a, you do it's not a, have to be. It's a simple thing for complicated people. That's really what it is. It's the simplest but hardest fucking thing we're gonna do in our life, and it's still hard to this day. Because I thought I was gonna get clean, right? And it was gonna be cupcakes and rainbows and shit and unicorns and all this. I got one over there. You know what I mean? Kind of is, but not really. So, like, I ended up doing all kinds of cool shit in my recovery. I started working in the fields, you know, helping people get into treatment. I, you know, made some amazing connections and amazing, an amazing, like, family-based network out here in Massachusetts of people who just, like, they want me around. That was a new feeling for me, right? And, like, I had all this trauma. I was diddled. You know what I mean? I had a bipolar mother. I was beaten. Like, I, I had all this trauma, but, like, I was learning how to talk about it. I learned that closed mouths don't get fed, right? I learned that, like, you know, if I'm going through this shit, usually somebody else might be too. So if I raise my hand and talk about it, there might be somebody in behind me that has gone through it and can show me how to do that without having to get fucking high, right? Showing so I experience. did that. Yeah, that's it, right? Because I don't have any advice today. All I got is my own experience on how I stay clean. And I hope that that's going to help the next recovering addict coming after me to stay clean through it too. Rob. So like I got two years clean, right? And um. My faith ain't faith until it's tested, man. You know what I mean? I can get into the whole higher power piece, but it's nothing got a time or place on a podcast. You know what I mean? You'll figure your own way out, dude. We're not gonna have that fucking debate. But so I got a question for you though. I do have yeah. I do have a question for you. And me and you are very similar in this as well. And we probably have a similar answer. But my thoughts is beings that you're in recovery, we're in recovery. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting some time and more and more. How does that help you with your job? Beings that you can relate with these family members, with that patient that is crying out for help. Some of these people that are calling you to get in sunrise detox or a family member, like a mom, dad, cousin and saying, I don't know what to do. Somebody needs to talk to them. How does your recovery and your experience help you in your job to get people uh, the help that they need? I ain't going to plan a trip to Disney from someone who's never been to Disney. Really? You know what I mean? I don't know if you were looking for some grand answer, bro. But like, no, no, no. Listen, I, I just want to, you know, it you know was an answer mean? question all in one. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but speak to the families. Uh, uh, here's the deal. Let's say you have a family member struggling exactly what you were talking through. Is that how you help give them hope? What, 
but or is that just both sides of the equation? You you gotta you gotta deal with the family side, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of whatever over here, a lot of emotion, and then that addict. The reality is, is that y- you came to that point. You, it was you. Talking with families is a complicated thing. You know, um, I try to just as I meet the addicts. You know, my peer, as I call addicts, my peers. Just as I meet my peer where they're at, I got to meet their families where they're at too as well. I'm not here to tell any recovering addict or any active addict's mother that it's the right thing to do to kick your kid out. I'm not here to tell any addict's mom to, you know, cut your son out, don't send him the money for food. That's not my job. My job is to meet the family where they're at and provide them with options that are going to safely allow their kid to get better and find what I have found. I agree to take it a step further is to help and teach their kid how to fight the daily fight that I fight to keep that needle out of my neck. And that's all I can do. You know what I mean? Like I'm not more powerful than this disease of addiction. If I was, I'd have a lot more clean time than the four and a half years I have right now. You know, um, you do a good job at that, Rob. Just let, you know, that's why I'm proud to work with you. You know, we're colleagues, we work together, we're strong team together. And I've seen you personally grow. I've seen you the way you, that you conduct yourself. I've seen you, how you help people's families. And I'm proud to work with you. You're my friend. And, and, you know, there's so many people that you help and and people are lucky to be able to get in contact with you and have the experience that you have to help them with a loved one. And the same for you, buddy. The New Jersey area is extremely lucky to have an advocate like you out there fighting the good fight in the trenches. You know what I mean? And that's just what this is. That's what keeps me clean. As I got people like Rob Lutman on my team where I know I can call him up at any given time and be like, yo, bro, I'm super stressed the fuck out. It's a lot. He'll give me some advice and he'll bring me back to basics. Take care of yourself. Self-care. He'll put it back in. And I do the same for him. Or he'll call me on my shit. Like, you're all diseased up, bro. That ain't the way to be thinking. You know what I mean? And it goes by. They're the best calls. Yeah. Yeah. You can laugh about it now. You know what I mean? You know, when you get to that that level, you can laugh about it. So, yeah, so that saying practice humility, you're going to get humiliated. You know what so, I mean? So what's hey. the process here? So if, if, so you, 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 you crawled on in to your treatment center. You did. Right. Yeah. That was what, just what half we, battle, man. It's one thing to get clean. It's another thing to maintain your, your clean time, bro. I so, mean, we're only at the beginning. That's I, I real. The, yeah. I pulled the needle out of my neck. Good news is I get my feelings back. Bad news is I get my feelings back. Yeah. Now it gets, hits me like a ton of bricks. I had some old man playing with my penis when I was a baby. What? Who wants How do you to deal with that? that shit? I just yeah. doesn't go away. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Dude. You know? it just crawls up. Here it is. It's ugly face. Time to work through it. Right. So like we go into this and we do that work that Lutman was talking about and we, we, we go through it on a daily basis. I have to keep myself in check and I have to constantly work through things and I have to constantly, you know, make an inventory. I have to constantly look at my character defects and the shortcomings and I have to constantly play that tape out. Right. I have to play that tape out. If I behave like this, this is the consequence. So if I don't do dumb shit, I don't have to deal with dumb shit. Yeah. And like I do that every day, even in my work life, personal life, it, it's still vigilance and awareness at this point right so i go you know i get to do some cool shit in my recovery i get to um you know really take my recovery to the next level help a bunch of people i have the resources i'm using my voice i'm breaking the silence i'm watching too many of my friends die you know what i mean and i'm able to be that voice and i'm able to join some other people who do this advocacy work and and i'm able to really really like make a difference in my state and in my community right 
And then, like Lutman says, it gets real. In 2018, I was on my second year of recovery, and um, I'm at a mutual friend of mine's house, and um, you know, I'm 70 miles or so from where I used to rip and run, and uh, I get this phone call from my uncle about nine o'clock at night, and um, you know, my mom was the biggest supporter. You know what I mean? She was like my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader. She was like so proud that her son yeah. you know what I mean? was doing the things I was doing. My businesses were going well. You know, she was she was just she had her baby boy. Right. I got to go down to Florida and visit my mother. Like she let me in her house and we had a meal. She cooked for me and shit like so I was able to buy her some cool shit. It was just completely different relationship than we had had for years and years and years, even as a kid. Right. So like on, you know, uh, it was um, it was April 13th of 2008, 2018. It was actually Friday the 13th. My uncle calls me. I didn't want to pick up the phone. I had already known, you know, my uncle's a priest out in uh, Shirley, Mass. You know, when the family priest calls you, you really don't want to pick up the phone at night. So I pick up the phone and, I, and he's on the other end and he's like, he calls me, Bobby. <laughs> he's yeah. like, sit down, Bobby. I'm like, fuck. So I sat down and he tells me, he says, your mother's dead. And I said, Ugh, fuck. God. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I can take that. And then what he told me after that, I was never prepared for it. Right. And nobody ever does. He tells me, he says, Barrick killed her. Now, Barrick's my mother's boyfriend, has been for 15 years. He was a vicious alcoholic. Um, there was a whole bunch of chaos and confusion that night. Um, what it turned out to be was it was Barrick's 50th birthday, April 13th. And Barrick decided to pick back up his drug of choice or had been picking up his drug of choice relapse. So his alcoholism was, was in play. And, um, he picked up his alcohol on his birthday. My mother came home that day and, uh, basically tried to get him out of the house when she found out he was drinking like that again. And, he wasn't having it. So he picked up a barbell um, that my mother had in her carport in Florida. And he um, he caved my mother's head in about 10 times. It, it was bad. Then he left her under a blanket. And my mother's best friend had come home from work. And she, my mother was on break at the time from work and went to check on Barrick. And uh, her best friend realized she didn't come back from work at a timely manner. So she did the right thing to go check on my mother. At first, walked right by the blanket when my mother was in the carport. Then she found my mother with her head caved in, and um, she alerted the police. The police came, and he wasn't anywhere to be found, and she kind of told them that he could be found at the local bar, which was right around the corner from my mother's trailer and our 55-year-old trailer park. So the cops went down to that bar, and they found my mother's boyfriend with my mother's blood-brain matter in his pants, blood all over his hands, sitting at the bar having a drink. They arrested him um, and then started a whole new chapter in my fucking recovery. Yeah, they want to talk about. Imagine. Uh, yeah, you want to uh, talk uh, about don't get high no matter what. Like, my room turned into a law and order episode. You know what I mean? It was like I cry. I was at ICITV or crime television every day in my life. I started and embarked on a Capital One murder um, trial with my mother's boyfriend from yeah. indictments to going out for case management hearings into Florida, coming back. And, you know, one of the things, you know, as an addict, I can't sit with the unknown. I don't like not knowing that uncertainty shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to not have a detective who's working your mother's case, not be able to give you any tiny piece of information. It's like a hamster wheel spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning for 18 months before we got this guy in court and from a jury of 12 and his peers. And uh, 
I mean, I had one outburst in court, um, had like eight court offices. It was back in the first, his first court hearing. I tried to go after him in the courtroom, got pretty close. I got close enough. I mean, it was their fault for putting me in the front row, but <laughs> you know, I had domestic violence offices and about eight court offices that kind of got me down. I got hemmed up for a little bit and all was well. Then I had to take some, some, uh, some classes and stuff like that to be allowed at trial to go through what I needed to go through. But I showed up for my mother, and that's, like, the biggest thing for my recovery yeah. is, is that, like, I didn't let that man take my mother and my clean date. You know what I mean? I didn't let that man take my recovery. So Yeah, because that's, stayed, that would be the, the question I would ask. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you? Like, it's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I put that recovery yeah, on, stay, my, on the back strong. burner. Right, because good news is we get our feelings <laughs> yeah. back. Bad news is we get our feelings yeah, back, right. right? So, like, now I got to feel all this fucking horrible shit. And, um... Yeah. Like, I did it. You know what I mean? It was a fight. I, I suffered with mental illness. I got seriously depressed. I needed to get put on Prozac. I knew enough to ask for help. I knew the way I was feeling wasn't right. I pushed people out of my life, and I pushed people out. I, I, was, a, I was a train wreck. You know what I mean? But the one thing I had was my, my desire to stay clean. You put that I knew work that in. no matter what I did from this day forward, I never want to be homeless under a bridge again. So I stayed clean through it. And, like, I didn't understand why I was staying clean through it. Right. And I used to ask myself, even in active addiction, I'd be sitting there on the Tobin Bridge with a needle in my neck asking my God, why me? Why me? Why me? Why did I have to get touched? Why do I have to be homeless? You know, it didn't understand. Like, it wasn't my job to understand. I had to sit there. I, it's like he dealt the cards and I sat at the table type shit. And I sat there and I sat there and I sat there. And like after my mother's murder trial, after we got a guilty verdict and the man went away for the rest of his life it kind of hit me like I understand why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know now why. I get to work with people like Rob Blutman. That's fucking why. You know what I mean? I get to be a part of an amazing team at Sunrise Detox, the counseling center, Evolve. I, that's fucking why. I get to help and work with families and help them get their loved ones into treatment to have the same chance that I have. Like, that's why. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, what I'm why. thinking is like this horrible yeah. punishment is like a blessing in disguise. Yeah. All because I stayed at the table and made it through the fucking storm to have that clear sky and to understand and, and, and kind of get what my purpose here in life is. And that's why I'm so passionate about yeah. it, because this is more than just what I do for a living. Like this is this really is is how I you know, this is what I'm meant to do. Right. Like I wanted to be a fucking plumber when I got clean. Like I didn't. This was a calling. This is a lifestyle. I didn't want to do this. This wasn't what I had in the cards for me. So, like, I get through my mother's murder. We get him away for life, you know, and, um, you know, now I'm stuck with the grief part. And the funny thing yeah. that I've learned in recovery, right, is grief is like, it's like walking the edge of a wall, right? And there's a door. Like, you know, if you walk, you're going to keep walking. It's endless. It's endless. Till you turn that knob and walk through that fucking door, like, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. The only thing you can do is go through it. And I had to fucking surrender, and I had to go through it, and I had to feel the pain. I've also learned that you can't deny anybody in this process their pain. You know what I mean? So, like, I had to feel. I had to feel those. I had to get my ass kicked a few times in recovery to understand that I can't get high. Right. We fast, we go backwards a little bit into this process of me ripping and running. I've tried the MAT. I've tried the methadone. I've tried the Suboxone. I've tried the therapy. Nothing was clicking for me. Right. My pain got great enough. I was done. Right. And that goes the same with anything in my life. When the pain gets great enough, I'm done. You know what I mean? And like the, it, I take a lot of the things that like, I've gone through and, and I, I talk about them. And I can tell you that I'm not the only kid that I have met that has a murdered parent by, by their spouse who's struggling with substance abuse. 
It's great to be around people that understand what I'm going through, but it's even more great to be the person that they look up to because they know they can get through their trauma too and stay clean, right? And this whole thing and this domestic yeah. violence led me into this domestic violence advocacy work too as well, where I'm starting to see, like, I'm a firm believer. I don't think my mother's boyfriend would have killed her if he wasn't drunk. And I'm sure, and I know today from the research and some of the work that I've done, that's a very, very common saying. We wouldn't have done that if I, if I wasn't drunk. And I see a lot of self-medicating from women that are being abused, men that are being abused by their boyfriends. It goes both ways or by their girlfriends. And I've really been able to step into the domestic violence world and bridge gaps between domestic violence and substance abuse. Yeah. And I've also been able to stand up and let other men know that it's not okay to hurt women. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, son of a gun. I don't know how to unpack all this. Listen, is it does it get better? I mean, th it, that's what it I'm trying to get at. Better, is, right there. It, it, it's like that's exactly why so, it, it gets better. I guess real I addicts, share some hope. I, real stories. Yeah, real recovery. Yeah, that this is why we we're doing this. Scott. Yeah, this is incredible. This I'm telling you right now, it's it's an incredible story, and and the real hope is that what I hear Demio talk about. And if, if apparently you can make it, you're recovering, you're constantly recovering, let's put it that way, then nobody, there's hope. There's it's hope. Like, so, like, hope. The, the thing is, is, right, is, like, for years I lived with a powerful disease that lived between my ears and talked yeah. to me in my own voice, wow. right? And when you put me alone with me, like, you're leaving me with the last person who tried to kill me, and like, for me, like that voice, my own voice would tell me on a daily basis, I was a piece of shit. I didn't deserve this. You're nothing but a fuck up. You shouldn't live. Keep ripping and running. Stay on a suicide mission. Nobody would miss you. Right. And I can tell you that today with a little bit of that work that Lutman was talking about when I got up in the morning, I don't hear that voice telling me I'm wow. a piece of shit. That voice today tells me that I love that, the person that I am. That voice is us in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a group of like five so guys. you just got wake <laughs> up and call <laughs> it's me hey hey shh, shh. <laughs> and that's really what it comes down to yeah, today like in recovery yeah. i recovered shit that i never had before and we're talking about like self-esteem yeah. you know what i mean self-confidence like i i have some um i have a sense of who i am today i have a fucking per i recovered a purpose yeah that's the shit that I've recovered That's huge. in my recovery. It's not the jobs. It's not the, the, the stuff that my ego attaches to today. It, it's really the fact that like I can get up today. The, the chains are broken and I feel free because I'm not looking for a wake up or a get high or to get off. Heat. I'm not scheming how I'm going to get the next one. Yeah. I'm not hurting the people that love me the most. I have a four year old, beautiful, beautiful little girl. She is my whole world. You know, her, she doesn't have to see her father use. You know what I mean? I get to show up and just like I got to show up and yeah. be there for my mother and be my mother's voice. And I'm available for those who aren't even here anymore. Right. I'm available to my little girl. I'm available to her mother. Right. I'm available for Lutman and for people that love me and yeah. want me around today. And more importantly, I'm available for myself. I caught hep C through my active addiction. I was riddled in yellow, right? Because I was clean, I was able to show up for myself. I was able to commit to a six-week and in very invasive 
pill regimen. I got my hep C cured. I was able to show up for myself and cure my fucking disease. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're available. To try to sell. Yeah. You're available for your cat that I just seen go by. Yeah, Thank dude, God. He, that's my guy. That's the. I'm not even going to get into that. That's the best. That's thing a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. I mean, son of a gun. We're going to have to wrap this up. I mean, <laughs> this isn't. Yeah. We're, we're, we're venturing on 40 minutes on this conversation, but you know what? Every minute worth it, Scott. It every, is. Every, it's every absolutely. I, I can't, it's, you know, we can have this conversation and, and it's important. Uh, how do people get a hold? I mean, this is this I, it, I'm, I'm looking at it as like, well, if I'm hearing this, if I'm struggling, if I have my problems, you know, what, where do I start? I mean, what just, is it like, just, I have to just recognize that I need help. I've got to hit rock bottom. At some point, your pain is going to get great enough. You're going to realize you can no longer keep on. You're going to realize you're paying a high price for a shitty, shitty quality of life. Yeah. And when that time gets here, that phone becomes less heavy. That gift of desperation kicks yeah. in. Yeah. When that desperation hits and you want that bad, there are people like me and Lutman available. We'll have a phone number that scrolls through they can yeah. reach out our personal phone numbers are available but when that gift of desperation hits like that phone becomes a little less heavy you know what i mean for family members of loved ones that are wa- you know watching thing. the video you can pick yeah. up the phone too and give us a call you know there's almost there's, there's not much that we can't handle as you know yeah, yeah. professionals right. in the substance and treatment industry you know yeah. um it really really like if i can get clean if i can stay clean if i can wake up every day and hate myself a little less and hate myself enough hate not hate myself enough to not go out there and get high like anybody can anybody i'm not saying i'm a mentally well person i'm still fucked up like some are sicker than others <laughs> i fall into the others category but like today like i know <laughs> i know today wow. like i know tonight i'm going to bed i'm not gonna get high i know when i wake up i'm gonna talk to this asshole or a couple more looking forward to it and, and that's the best part about it. You, you've got this community of people who love you. It does get better, but you have to do the work. You have to Absolutely. do the work. You can't you just ask sort of, for help. And you've got to ask for help. Yeah. Yep. We're not the great I am. We don't have this. When we think we have this, our disease yeah. has us. Yeah. And that's really the God honest truth. Perfect. Right, it really see. is. When I start to think I can do this on my own and I no longer need Rob Blutman, I no longer need Joe Horrocks or anybody else in my recovery network and my network, like, I'm fucked because I know what happens when I'm alone. I smoke yeah. crack and then everything goes. <laughs> no more. Uh, you guys. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm sell the cat, dude. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. All it right, really guys. and honestly does get better. You know what I mean? It I'm does. happy today. I'm a father today. I'm a productive member of society today. I'm a friend. You know, I'm the son. I'm still her son. You know, and she's still proud. You know what I mean? So it really and honestly truly does get better. Excellent. Yep. All right, Robs. That was just an easy way to just sort of get him off. Perfect. Hell of a story. It gets better. Lazy Guys, now. Yeah. Hey, all right, listeners. We're gonna wrap it up on this side. You're gonna say, hey Scott, how do I get a hold of it? It'll all be on the uh, other side. There's a sticker right there. All the information. Uh there is no reason why you can't get a hold of this guy. Period. All right. All right, Demio, Ludman, thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank guys. you for what you're doing. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> sure it does. does. Damn it. 
All right, guys. Thank you, man. Help is available 24-7 with our partners at Sunrise Detox. Call our recovery hotline at 855-900-0080. Again, 855-900-0080.